All right, so you should have a handout. Let's look at the handout. Um, first of all, let me go through what is provided, what's not provided, and then let's look at the homework, if you'll just kind of keep your notes on these. Um, you're going to need your Bible every week, and there's going to be some reading in the Bible scripturally, that if you meditate more than just read, you'll meditate on these words to make them really, really personal. Get them down in your spirit. Let your soul man, your mind, your will, and your emotion grab hold of what the spirit man is telling you through the word. If you'll do that, it'll start to become the part of the fabric of who you are as a warrior. And you will then start to embrace this thing and say, next time you're afraid or something's happening, wait a minute, he can't mess with me. If he does, at least he's going to pay a horrible price, at least sevenfold. So, okay. So, Notebook and Bible, that's, you're going to provide that. The Breaking Free handout, which is the real thin one. Uh, I'm sorry, this one, the white one. And then the teaching notes, those are provided. You get to keep the, the handout. And then there's the training manual, which we'll look at probably the second and uh, maybe the third and fourth session. And then you all get to get a book tonight. Just one, please. All right. Take it home. This is yours. Do whatever you want with it. Read it. Hand it up. Give it away. But I'd encourage you, if you can... Read it, especially to the, when we get up to the point of uh, the destiny model, which is going to be the tools and the ammo that's going to go into your gun. And the next time somebody manifests in front of you or a family member or someone that you're working with has some torment and you get asked to pray for them, you're going to know what to do. We're going to cover that in our ministry manual as well. All right. Um, the homework, number two there. Please do this. Uh, So next week there, A, if you will read Mark 9, it's a very interesting set of scriptures. Jesus does a great deal of teaching on that one. Then in Matthew uh, chapter 12 is some of the dangers of doing deliverance when you're not really serious. And we'll uh, look at that. We we often caution people there. Then Luke's gospel is the impartation that was given by Jesus. And then what you can expect is one who's been imparted to. And then read the teaching notes. That's this page 1 through 26. That sounds like a lot. But these are actual. I've changed the names to protect those um, unless they gave me permission to actually use their names. But these are uh, real-life examples. These are not fictitious events that happened. I'm going to share some wild ones that I don't always share in church. But since you're here as warriors, you ought to realize there's a real devil, and he's really out there, and he does weird things. But our God is greater. Amen? So we'll, we'll work into that. I don't want to freak anybody out or get you weirded out. But um, we're going to look at it at the end. And, and I'll have some witnesses here that were there when that happened. So I'm not just uh, blowing smoke at you. Those things are just true. All right. And then week two will be uh, read Romans and 2 Corinthians. And then the t- finish the teaching notes. And then the final, uh, which will really be our week four, but a week three read, is we'll look at the ministry manual, and it'll be module 6, 11, and 12, which will be clear. So is that as clear as mud for you? All right. Please do the homework. I think you'll enjoy it. All right. Turn over to page one on breaking free of the handout. Tonight, I'm going to lay a lot of groundwork. I'm going to go pretty fast because most of you, if you've been attending here for any season, you've heard bits and parts of this over time, but I want to make sure we're all grounded Since you're the load bearers, we need to know what the load bearing foundations are of Scripture. As long as this is based upon Scripture, you have the Word of God from the one who is the Word to be able to operate within it. 
You can, you can bank your life on it, right? So I want to give you the biblical basis of these things. All right. Um, first of all, how many of you have had tribulation in your life? Wow. Okay, everybody. Yeah. Well, good. You're, Jesus said this, right? John 16, 33. If you're wondering, when I came into being a believer, I thought everything was going to be hunky-dunky. That means okay. In fact, it might have got worse, right? If you're in the devil's camp, you may, there's two conditions. You're either a child of the devil or you're a child of the king. Scripture's real clear. It's not, well, I'm kind of half in, half in. No, you're not. And so when you're in and you walk the aisle and give your heart, then you belong to him and immediately you're in, you're in tribulation testing ground. And Jesus said this just before he went and pray, prayed the prayer of unity in John 17. John 16, 33 says, I'm, as a believer in Jesus, I seem to be having a lot of battles. And Jesus said, be of good cheer. You're going to have a lot of tribulation, but I've overcome it, right? So if you're in tribulation, um, it's, just part of, it's just part of it. And then he works all things together for good, right? It's, all, it's just a test. This too shall pass. Let's <laughs> just realize it. Okay, so if you're wondering why you're having tribulation, it's part of the norm. I've already prayed this in John, 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God came. You can write this one out. The Son of God came. 1 John 3, 8. It's the whole one about if you're a believer, you cannot keep sinning. There is no lifestyle that you keep sinning, Right? He says, so in 1 John 3, he says, there's, if you're a believer and a son and a daughter of the king, then he says, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, we know he did that when he hung on a cross. The blood of Jesus corrected a whole lot of mess in the world, right? Made a way for us. In John 14, 12, you can write that one down, he says, anyone who believes in me will do the same works Anyone, this is foundational, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, but even greater. Now, many have argued, wow, raise the dead and casting out demons. In fact, if you take the book of Mark, gospel of Mark, and go through it, and every time you heard the kingdom preached for salvation, put a little S, salvation, kingdom, and then every time you see a deliverance done by Jesus, put a little D. And then every time there was a healing, put a little H. And if you're like me, engineerish, you'll add them up, and one-third, one-third, and one-third of what Jesus did in the Gospel of Mark, one-third of it was deliverance, one-third of it was healing, and one-third of it was preaching the kingdom. That's why he can say, if I did all these things, and I'm going to the Father, and I've given everything, you can do it too. But we think that's a little overwhelming, but he said, no, th this is the way it's going to be. And then he kind of iced it for us. And we're going to look at this in a minute in Mark 16. But let's turn our first scripture. Let's look at Revelation 12. If you wonder why the devil hates you, and the moment you signed on the bottom line that I have my name written in the Lamb's book of life, and I belong to Jesus, and I'm praying, Lord, I surrender to you. You are mine completely. Um, you will then see that in Revelation chapter 12, you were born in war. Revelation 12 speaks of, there was a witness in heaven, verse 1. I'm going to read out of the New Living. I'll probably use a little King James too. But uh, Revelation 12:1, I have witnessed an event in heaven, great significance. 
You there? Revelation 12.1. I saw a woman clothed in the sun and beneath her feet a crown of 12 stars in her head. She was pregnant, cried out with labor pains, and gave agony in birth. Now, if you read the commentaries or study this, there's, there's, diff- there's agendas within the agenda. Many believe this was the birth of the, of the Messiah that was being born. Many believe it is also the, this, the story of Israel. Both work marvelously well. It also goes on, and many have wondered, well, where'd the demons come from? Most, and I believe this to be true, where it says in verse 4, it says, there was this war in heaven, and basically a third of the stars were thrown out of heaven. Those who sided in rebellion when the great cherub, Satan himself, decided he wanted to be God and, and ran the revolt against God to be like God, a third of the angels who had free will as well and power sided with him. The war in heaven drove out the darkness, and a third of them, plus Satan, were thrown down to earth, right? And those are, the, I believe, the demon forces that are about us today. And so um, there's other places in Isaiah. I'm just not going to go there for right now. We, we may get there at a later study. So a third of the stars, and the woman was about to give birth, and her baby was soon to be born. Now, the reason we believe, I believe this is Christ and the picture of Mary and the picture of what was about to take place through the heavenly realm. Verse 5, it says, she gave birth to a son who was to rule all the nations. Well, who's that? Messiah Jesus, right? And so, and he's going to rule with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and caught up to be with God in the throne. Now, we do know that Joseph had a dream when Herod came to kill all the children in Ramah. He had to go into Egypt. So there was the forewarning of Jesus' protection. All the children under two were killed. This is one of those first provisions God the Father watched out for his son, right? And, and gave him to Mary and Joseph in care. So we see that the dragon has tried many times to destroy him, right? And then it goes on, verse 7. There was a war in heaven. Michael, one of the archangels, fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and his angels were forced out of heaven. And the great dragon, the ancient serpent, the devil, called devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with his angels. So there's the basis of why I believe darkness is here. We'll see later Paul in, first, in 2 Corinthians says, the God of this world, Satan himself, has control over the children of darkness. So it, again, this is going to be rock upon rock. You're going to see the building, and Scripture will make sense in why we're equipped to do what we're called to do. So I want you to see you're born in war. Now, the good news is it's come at last. Verse 10, a loud voice Trumpet sound in heaven, it's come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom. I love that. The kingdom of God. Remember, he said, Jesus said, the kingdom is at hand, it's right at hand. Well, now the kingdom has come. When he came, the kingdom came, right? And so, and we have the kingdom now within us, which is mind blowing. All right. The kingdom of God and his authority of his Christ has come. And so, now. How do we overcome? It says, and they, who, who they? They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb. Well, when was the blood shed? On the cross, for whom? For us and all who believe. So you are those, they, that they're speaking about. It says, they overcome and defeated whom? The devil, by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. That's why if you're hanging around here a length of time, if you start speaking negative in defeat, you're gonna get corrected I don't even have to do it anymore. It's like, is that your testimony? You know, like, like, wow, no. Well, okay, so you'll get cool, you'll get pulled up pretty short 
because you got to be really careful. There's life and death in here, right? And you will have what you say. And the devil waits for those things to ride on, doubt, fear. Now, we're, we're all guilty of that, and I realize I'm going fast, but I, a lot of this I believe to be review, but I just want to get us all there. So we know that the blood and our testimony are the overcoming, but there's terror on the earth and in the sea. You think there's terror right now? It sure is. Great anger. He's, he's just about beside himself. Why? Because he knows that he's been pursuing this woman. He's been schnookered by God the Father and the Son in the whole. He would have never crucified the Son of God if he ever knew what he was about to do. And so God protected in the midst of that. Now look at verse 17. This is the operative. And the dragon was really angry. And at the woman, and he declared war against the rest of her children and all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony of Jesus. King James says it this way. He came to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So if you're a believer or maintaining your testimony, you got, you got a bullseye sitting right. The devil says, I hate that. I hate them. They're dangerous. And so, I love it. Jesus, we can hate. There's not a lot of things you can hate, but that's one you you can hate him. Hate the devil. All right. That's a, a foundational scripture. Now turn to John 10. Turn back to John 10. You doing okay? I know I'm going fast, but I'm, I'm thinking a lot of this is review. I'm hoping. Or at least write them down, meditate on them. John 10 says, this is really the job description Jesus himself gives his job description and the devil's job description right here. It's real simple. Um, Bill Johnson, I love it. He says, simple theology. God is good. Jesus is good. Devil's bad. There you go. It's clear. After that, what, do you need, what else do you need to know? Well, he does. He says that right here. He says this. He says, let's begin in verse 6. John 10, 6, those who heard Jesus use the illustration didn't really understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Remember, he said he's the narrow way. Those who come in through me, in through me, there's no other way to heaven. I heard this day, I heard it this week, yeah, well, I don't believe in Jesus, but I believe in God. I said, wow, okay, help me with that. Um, Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. Well, that's good right there. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, and my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. King James says this way, I'm the door. By me, if any man enters, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly, more abundantly. So the job description, he says the thief is the the devil himself. If you find any killing, stealing, and destroying going on in your life, you need to ask, okay, Lord, is there an open door? Is something that I've authorized, something I'm thinking wrong, something I haven't forgiven right. I'm not walking in the right place. And you've allowed, for even a good purpose, that the devil's messing with me. 
either to course correct me, because he's a pawn, devil is just a pawn, and uh, not that God brings evil upon his people, but there are judgment. He says, I'll prune everyone I love. Amen. You ever gotten pruned? Whew. I tell you, my wife is a gardener. I, I, I just about almost kill everything I try to grow. But she goes out there, and in the fall, she cuts these things back. I said, you just killed that plant. She goes, no, you don't realize. You watch what happens in the spring. It'll come back twice as big. Sure enough. But is this in the cutting process, like, God, you're killing me. No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. But it sure feels like, yeah, I know. But no, it's, you're not. So if you're in the woodshed, you might ask, God, did I deserve to go there? And if so, let's repent. First John 1, 9, confess my sins to him. He's faithful to forgive me from all unrighteousness. And all of a sudden, my slate is clean. And I can come out of that woodshed. Okay, God, now what? All right? But the devil has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And I love the altar call Sunday. This is side, but I think it fits. The altar call Sunday that so many came to. Remember the, 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 the word was there are two types of storms? There's the, the God storm where in the, the account where Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. And the boys who are fishermen, they're in the, if you've ever been on the galley, I've not been in a galley in a storm, but man, it, they say it gets, anyway, the water's coming over the gunnels. And these are fishermen, many of them, they, they know their stuff, and they're like, we're about to die. We're done. We're toast. And they turn to, the, to Jesus, who's asleep in the back of the boat, and said, Messiah. They called him Jesus. They said, Jesus, don't you even care that we're about to perish? What an amazing thing to ask the Messiah of the world who came, right? Don't you care that we're dying in your sleep? And he wakes up and rebukes the storm, right? So that was a devil storm put in place because they go, who is he? Spirit of wisdom and revelation just descended because how can he not be afraid and how can he control the wind? So that was a devil storm put in place and he and they like, whoa. You can't control a God storm, but you can control a devil storm. And knowing the difference is really, really, really important. Now, the God storm, that's the one where he tells the boys, get in the boat, get to the other side, Right? And they don't, he doesn't go with them. And then he comes out walking in the middle of the night on the water. And they think it's a ghost, right? And it's, it's getting really crazy out there. And, and he says, come here. If that's you, God, bid me come, Peter says. Like, I, I probably would have been, that's, I'm down. I'm down, Lord. Right? Peter says, that's you. Let me come out. So Peter walks out in the middle of the storm in a supernatural event. So that was a God storm that he was walking us through. So you'll be storms you'll have to walk through. The God storms are really good storms. The devil storms, you have authority over. And knowing the difference, and pray, I pray by the end of this, you'll have it. Okay, so moving right along. We know that the devil's come to kill, kill, kill steal, and destroy. All right, turn with me to Matthew 16. Many of you are probably familiar with this one. This is the Great Commission. The Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion, right? You know, if you get around to this, it would surely be great if you would do it. No. He said, I give you this command. Remember in John where he says, if you love, I read this, this was a certain part of the sermon finishing on Sunday. There's a well done and good and faithful servanthood. But then there's also the friendship of God. Those who are, he says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Those who do the commandments of the Father and love me. So there's a friendship with God that is like, 
the next level. It is probably the, the, the place of great. Well, Jesus now says, if you're going to be my friend, do what I say. Remember he said, who's my family? Remember his mother and brothers came? And they said, your mother and brother are outside. And Jesus doesn't run out there. He says, who's my mother and my brothers? And he answers it. He says, those who do the will of my father. That's my family. Interesting. Because at that point, even his brothers and sisters mocked him. At least his brothers mocked him. And until after the resurrection, didn't write some of the books of Jude and all. Right? Okay. So, Commandments are really important, and Jesus goes on in the Great Commission. You can see it in, Mark, in Matthew 28, Mark 16, but this one I love because it just like takes away all excuses. Ready? Mark 16, 15. He then told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now, King James is Mark 16, verse 15, Mark 16, 15, King James says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's wild right there, right? Imagine preaching to every creature. But So you're to go and preach. Maybe that's why he says in Romans that the, the, all of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Just another thought. Okay, so going on, he says, you're going to preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs, now, will accompany those who believe. So how, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but is everybody a believer in here? If not, please come see me later, okay? I really want, I'm, I'm sorry, I'd love to pray, pray with you. But if you're a believer... The following miraculous signs should be following. The first one on here is, they'll cast out demons in my name. Can you, can you underline that one? Mark 16, verse 17. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. First one is, they'll cast out demons in my name. We're going we're gonna to upset a lot of religious spirits by this one. They'll speak with new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety and drink anything poisonous and it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they'll be healed. So when we first started doing deliverance, <laughs> I remember Pat, my secretary, says, I don't do deliveries. Nope. Nope, nope, I don't. I've done that before. I've had baby. I'm, I'm not. I said, Pat, are you a believer? Yes, I am. You go, well, I don't have the anointing for that. Nope, you, you can't go there. And you'll notice in the gifts, when we study the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, or Romans 12, um, and it, there's not a gift of deliverance, it's not one of the <clears throat> gifts that are listed. This helps and compassion and healing and the miraculous. But people say, well, I don't have the gift of deliverance. It's not a gift. You're a believer. You got it. Amen. You are supposed to destroy the works of the devil. And so I got to tell you, you probably heard, told some of you before, when I first came here, I resigned from GE after 25 years. I walked away from that. I'm here one year as a pastor. And... I'm reading this scripture, and I don't have any miraculous signs following me. 
And I said, I did not resign my career to come here and mark time. Uh, you got to show me how to make that real. And then Randy Clark came here, and I took a team, my wife and Katie, and a bunch of us went to Brazil with Randy Clark, and I saw all that and some. And that was the start of a journey. And I asked him, I said, Lord, I have one request. I want to see your power. I'm sick and tired of running on a powerless life. If I'm a believer and you said that's true, then it can't be your problem. It's my problem. I'm coming. What do I need to do? Man, woo, glory to God. The rest of it's now been journaled. Hallelujah. And there's more to come. Okay, so what you see here is I want to erode all of your excuses and you can deal with all your fears because you are equipped to destroy the works of the devil. And if he's coming after your children, your businesses, your health, your finances, your friends, the nation, you have an authority and actually a responsibility to stand and stand and having do all to do, stand. Resist him. We're going to look at another scripture, okay? So I've just eroded all of your, any excuses you might have had, you all now do deliver. And (laughs) um, some of the guys who are with me have probably made more deliverances than, than Pizza time, Pizza Hut, you know. They're just like, wow. You know, they're just like, they've done a lot of them. Like Miss Addie back there, she's probably done more deliverances than Pizza Hut. I'm telling you. She sees them. She used to make me nervous. She goes, I see those little imps. It's all different sizes. And they were running down the hallway. I said, Miss Addie, don't tell me that. Just tell me they're gone. Okay. All right. Okay, are you there? Uh, let's turn to... In, in, uh, in Matthew, you don't need to look, turn this one, but Matthew 16 says this. Jesus is the rock, right? He tells Peter, I'm going to build my church and upon the foundation of the rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Familiar with that scripture, right? It was interesting there. And the Jewish phrase actually means, gates of hell means realm of the dead. That the realm of the dead shall not prevail against the church. Because Jesus has built his church on the rock. He's the foundation. Peter was the little Petros, the little rock. Jesus was the big, gigantic boulder. And as the foundation ones, I've already prophesied on you, you're a foundation one if you're here. So this foundation rock that's built, that's why the devil ought to be nervous that you're awake. And if you focus your attention on him, then he ought to be really, really nervous. So, well, pastor, I don't know. I'm not... Well, if he has, God has not given us a spirit of fear, who did? I'm asking, who did? You either got a broken heart or it's the devil. So God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a soundness of mind, right? So if I have a sound mind and I know all the truth about this particular issue I'm facing, I have a soundness of mind. And he's given me the power, and therefore his perfect love has expelled fear, the devil. That's why... When we're in some places that are, I mean, they are as dark as they can be. We were in a, a place in Bush, Bush Town. They called it inner, it was on the dark side of the bush in Mozambique. And Miss Addie, she didn't tell me till we got back, Pastor, I was praying all night long. I didn't know if we were coming home. I said, I'm so glad you didn't tell me that, Miss Addie, because I could look at your face and had peace. My intercessor's here. Miss Addie's here. We're good. 
But Lord, we were in the bush, dark side. It's like when Moses was on the back side of the desert. Yeah, well, we were on the back side of the bush. The guys in their white hats, the Muslims with their machetes, we're driving by. We had no clue where we were going. All the satellite phones didn't work. Nobody knew where we were. We didn't know where we were. The GPS, it was like, and, and, our, and our Mozambican pastor's leading us, we're going to get there, we're going to get. His pastor had died a week earlier by the witchcraft that had been cursed against him. So we need to go to this place and pray for the new pastor. I said, yeah, that's Okay. Good Lord in the morning. Anyway, so we, we get there, and they got the machetes, and we're driving by in the bush. There were places that only, there's never been a vehicle in these places. They were dry stream beds. We, you can ask Miss Dela. Dela is out of the truck, pushing trucks up the hill, trying to get there. The guys with the machetes are going, <laughs> and I'm like, whew, yeah. So anyway, we're all alive, and we're all fine. Amen? Because his word is true. So if you're on an assignment from God and he's giving you the assignment, you're not being arrogant and proud about it. I can go kick the devil's butt anytime. No, you tell me what the assignment is and I'll, I'm not going to pick fights that you didn't give me. But if we're going in, we're going to TKO him. That's the way it's going down. And God, if you have your heart on that, it's going to work. Okay. Let's take a look at 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. This is a good empowerment scripture. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. I've already prayed it, but let's. This is given by Peter. This is his almost last, his Second Peter is his last book, just before he is crucified upside down. Same day history tells us that Paul was beheaded by Nero. So he tells us, says, this is advice for elders and young men. Chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5 goes on about the word to the elders, care for the flock that's been entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Be a good example. Oppose the proud. Remain humble. He's given really tidbits of power, but then in verse 6 he says, humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in, in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Verse 8, stay alert. Be on your toes. Be on your guard. Literally means in high alert. Watch out for your great enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. I just got the Voice of the Martyrs booklet. My wife gets it. And they have pictures of those saints in Yemen that are going through absolutely horrible torture right now. We can sit freely here and, and not be afraid. And so what he's telling us is you can take a firm stand. So you unpack that one. We won't do all the details, but I want you to see... He's looking to devour. So if you open the door to sin, willful sin, you just gave him something to devour. You give him devouring rights. If you're a covering a husband, a wife, or a caregiver, a guardian, a pastor, a leader, a business leader, and you start dabbling in sin, you have just opened the roof or the window, if you like that analogy, you've opened the window to the house and you've invited the enemy, the rodent, the, the demonic, 
the unclean one, to come in and you have authorized him to start taking some bites. That's what that means, literally. Taking devouring rights. And so that's why you want to quickly repent, seal it up, take a firm stand against him because he makes us righteous, right? 11 times in Romans chapter 3, 4, and 5, he says, you have been made the righteousness of Christ. He has declared you righteous by the blood. Well, Pastor, I, I, I struggle with this thought and that. and, and I, Yeah, we all do. Guess what? Because of your faith in Christ, because of Abraham's faith, it was counted as righteousness, right? So don't give the enemy any devouring rights. If you got anything, you got any defilements in your house, we'll deal with this and when we look at curses down the line. If you've got any witchcraft, Harry Potter series, uh, amulets, medium, psychic, Ouija board, get all that crap out of there, burn it. Get it out of your house and burn it. Any secret society rings things of, oh, it's my great-grandpa, get rid of it, okay? And so I can give you more scripture on that, but I, I, not right now. And so... You don't want him to have any devouring rights. In fact, I remember, I think it was Marlene gave a testimony. She had some stuff in her house, invited a lady over her house, and immediately, it was Paula, I think it was, right? Said, we need to go up to your attic. Went up in the attic. Marlene had forgotten something with Halloween was there. And, and we got to, I mean, like, get that out of here, right? My mom, the same thing, was praying. And there was a, when she lived in Virginia, the Lord showed her there was a, a piece of jewelry, right, Mom? That need, it was down in the, needed to go, and it did. And so what I'm saying is, have no other gods before me. Have no other forms of idolatry before me. One of the commandments, right? Well, what are you trusting in other than Jesus? Well, you know, I kind of like the, I like the, this Indian amulet, and I, I like the sun catcher. I like, uh, excuse me, you might want to know where that comes from, Right? We had a lady, uh, get rid of the rosary beads. We're not praying to Mary. I love my Catholic friends. My, 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 my wife's family, devout Catholics. We've had many a round table. We just decided to agree not to agree. We don't pray to Mary. There's no other intercessor we pray to but the name of Jesus, right? Come on. So I hope I haven't, well, I'm just trying to tell you the truth, what I believe. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to apologize. All right. So. 1 Peter 8 9 says, give him no devouring, like a roaring lion. So he looks really bad. Ah, he's making all these, he's toothless. When you're standing there, he can look all that thing, but he has nothing but gums to bother you with. Once you realize that, because I'm telling you, we were in Tanzania. They were threatening to kill us. They were going to come and kill me. They were going to kill, and I'm like, Lord, I, this is the time where I fish or cut bait. This word has got to either be real or we might be really in trouble. And we chose, the Lord said, you go big or go home. That's right. And that's all he, I'm like, okay. And I'm telling you what, he's a toothless tiger. Now, he has power. He just has no power over those who are in authority. That's right. right? Okay, moving right along. Come on, Jesus, help me. All right, Ephesians chapter 6. I'm, I'm still laying groundwork. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Again, a very, very familiar set of scriptures. But I want you to, see in the foundation pieces what he says about standing. You know the scripture, Ephesians 6, 10. This is put on the full armor of God, right? So, but, but why do we need the full armor of God? 
because the devil has strategically placed people and principalities and powers. In fact, they're all around you and your family and your workplace. They're everywhere, right? They're just looking for the one they can devour. Which one opened the door so I could devour them? Right? They want a host. We'll look at that in Matthew 12 a little bit, uh, probably next time. But, so, a final word, Paul says, to the church that's in revival. Ephesus, uh, young Timothy is now the senior pastor over the church at Ephesus. It's in major revival. And he, Paul's there, he's busy. He says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Whose power? His power. Put on all of God's armor. armor. You'll be able to stand against what? Strategies of the devil, strategic plans against your life. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, and against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. King James says it this way, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Put on that full armor. And then he goes and says... Having done all, the, the devil's going to shoot fiery arrows at you. You need the, the helmet, the belt, the truth, the shoes, the breastplate. And then he says, put on the salvation helmet, standing, pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. When you go to battle stations, you are on high alert. I remember in the submarines, when we, were, when we would go to battle station, man, we're looking for targets in every direction. Sonar that could go. So when you go into a war zone, if you've been in that place, you are, you're not behind in R&R, kind of chilling, right? You're like, I'm looking. I'm looking. Think of it this way. You ever see um, a movie, a point man who's in a, in a unit that's out front? They are the point person, first contact to the enemy. Almost a sacrificial one because the rest of the force is back there, but I'm on point because I'm looking for the enemy and signs of the enemy. Think of, that's what Paul's saying is, I'm putting you on point. Stay alert. Be aware. Look for strategies. Look for the trip flare. Look for stuff that is the enemy's plan. Now, he tells us in, in Psalm 91, right? He says, if you're in the sheltered place of the Most High, you'll find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You don't have to fear the 10,000 dying left, 1,000 on to the right. All these evils will not befall your place, even if they come against you during noonday or try to creep in at night. He says, and he will spring the snare of the fowler. There's times when God blessed us more by accident than we did on purpose. I'm serious. It was like, we... Wow, God, we didn't know you. We didn't, you had a plan, didn't you? It's a good thing you didn't reveal that to us in advance. We probably would not have gone. All right. Ephesians 6. That's foundational scripture. So what we, what, I'm just going to look at that first page. Number one is you're born in war. Gave you the scripture for that. The great commission is not the great suggestion. You are now fully aware that you are called upon to cast out demons, lay hands on the sick, and even this thing about handle deadly things without harm. People say, man, I don't like that. Is that like the snake thing or what is that? You know, we're not, remember, we don't tempt the devil. So we're not, we don't go and find the snakes and do all that stuff that you've heard about on TV, right? Or maybe seen. Even Jesus told the devil, you don't tempt the Lord, you're God. But if you come up against something that is really harmful, there have been 
Kent was here Sunday from Mozambique. They've tried to poison him. They've tried to do things, um, set him up with bad food. Our leader's wife in Nepal was poisoned as a child. They tried to kill her, didn't kill her. And so, and you probably read of these things. When the enemy tries, it, if we're in this place of the assignment, the enemy has no authority. We can handle those deadly things without harm. And so, you are now made fully aware that you are fully capable. Amen? And we're gonna, now we're going to go like boot camp. We're going to figure out, this is my rifle. This is how I load it. This is how we shoot it. And so let's move forward in the equipping of warfare. But I want you to see, we're in war. There is a great commission. You're to stay alert. You've been given all of the warfare equipment, armor that you need. Now, I just want to pick up on number five there at the bottom of that page about territorial spirits. First, I'll give you a scripture about this. Um, in Daniel's chapter uh, 10 there, remember when uh, Daniel, who's in exile, starts praying for his people back in Israel. And the archangel immediately goes to work as soon as Daniel starts praying. And in that scripture it says that Dan Daniel wasn't aware that there was a battle even going on for 21 days. Then the archangel says, I started 21 days ago. The minute you started praying, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. He went and started warfare against the principalities and powers. And he says, I've been in battle against the prince of Persia over your homeland. So at that point, that, that territorial spirit, um, and he lists another one. And he says, so when we look about this Ephesians 6, we battle against principalities and powers of darkness. There are beings, entity beings over regions. There's one over this region. There's one over the United States. And when we engage in warfare prayer, that's why it's so important, when we start an intercession, the Lord sends the armies of heaven to intervene and break free that which we're in the midst of, right? He makes intercession for us. I just want you to see there are territorial spirits. There are spirits of witchcraft over this region. You start When we start spending money and charging money so we can go look at ghosts downtown, Okay, so what are we doing? We just made an agreement that there's ghosts, they're really demons, and you, you're going to go look for them. So we open up the spirit of fear. We do all this crazy stuff on Halloween. There are homosexual spirits. Now it's running rampant in the United States because it's been lawfully approved by the, the top of our judiciary, right? Doesn't make it right, but that has opened a door. And if you wonder why there's all this confusion and craziness that's going on right now in that arena, it's because that principality has been authorized by the agreements of men and women and now legitimized. That's why when you go, go back in the Old Testament, when they started sacrificing children to Molech, and he says they have done ungodly things, I will bring judgment against that people. He gives grace, he gives grace, he gives grace, and then he finally says, I've had enough. Yeah, right? And so... There are territorial spirits, and so we want to be careful in our warfare. We're going to talk predominantly about ground-level warfare. When someone comes up, I remember, this is a while back, so I won't embarrass anybody. A young man had come out. He was about ready to go to a Bible college, and he'd come up here. And he stood right here. I hadn't seen him. He was kind of infrequent visiting, and he came to the prayer line. He wanted prayer because he was going to Bible college. One of our prayer ministers, and I don't remember, believe, remember who it was at this point, lays hands on him. All of a sudden, he manifests, hits the ground, and is banging his head and pulling his hair out right here. Now, it doesn't take a lot to understand that does not look like the Holy Spirit. 
right? That does not, you'll, you'll know them by their fruit. When he's pulling his hair, hurting himself and all that stuff. So we, we restrained that. He was not even conscious of what was going on. Our team came over. We're not going to make a spectacle of this. You know, you've seen on TV, some guy comes over and puts the Bible on his head and starts casting out. That's, yipes. No, not our, not our protocol. Shut this thing down. Don't speak in tongues. Shut it down. Have the human personality come back. Restrain them if the person's really hurting themselves. I had one try to jump off a roof. Praise God, we had a linebacker that was present in our team and body slammed that dude. Put him down. We're here to do a healing ministry. Imagine some guy kills himself by jumping off a roof. That, just, that was in uh, Belém, Brazil, I believe. Anyway, and so restrain them. Talk to the person. Bring the human personality back. They'll usually say either what just happened to me or they'll say I'm aware something's been going on. We privately took that person in one of our rooms back here and said, um, are you aware that you had a bit of a manifestation? How are you feeling? I feel sick right now. I said, well, you came into a place where you willingly, the spirit of the, the free will of the human being came in alignment asking Holy Spirit to come and bless me. And the darkness that's been authorized in by either generational or your choices has now engaged, darkness has now engaged light. And that demon went bonkers and wanted, in, through intimidation, to stop the process. And so we engaged free will of the individual and said, would you like to be free from that torment? Absolutely. person went to prayer ministry. He'd been involved in witchcraft years before. Generational witchcraft, renounced that, confessed it, got it up, and went off to Bible college. And so I bring that up as we need to understand by discernment, what am I seeing when that's manifesting? Okay? It doesn't have to be all dramatic. A lot of times it's a process, especially if you've been in the Word and you've been studying and you've been walking for several years now with the Lord. There are, you could do this self-deliverance, but we always encourage a full-blown prayer ministry to get started. So, all right. I want you to see that those territorial spirits, when we deal with ground-level warfare like that example, but there are higher levels of darkness, correct? So there's, there's a territorial spirit that is over the region of this place, probably racism based on our history, the fact that we killed black people and put their bodies in the river back years ago in the, in the 1898 murders. And the only place in the United States where the government of the United States was overthrown was right here, okay? Took out the, the chief of police, installed the white supremacist Democratic Party at that point. We had a, de we had a racist governor that was in place. And then the, the, the Jim Crow laws came in throughout the South. That, that demonic... Racial spirit, ungodly, based in, in slavery and all of its history, authorized a demon power here. Blood was shed. Their bodies were thrown in the river. That requires us, who are now part of this remnant, say, you know what? We need to, we need to repent for that and ask for forgiveness, res reconciliation, restitution. And so that is a territorial spirit over this region. But there are ground levels. So I want you to see, when you go to war, you need to understand... Who, in fact, are you battling against? What spirit am I battling against? We're gonna, this will become a lot more clear when we start looking at the actual process of, of, of prayer ministry. We'll look at how to identify what spirit is operating. And you'll see the sisters. I got a whole list of those things. Okay. But a caution. Even though I'm saying you have full authority, 
you should not engage in a territorial spirit by yourself. Well, I got full authority, so let's go kick this racial spirit out of here. It might be really good to, to partner up, right? If one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. That territorial spirit's been here longer than you have, right? And so we need to be wise. Remember, Paul says we're not, we're not ignorant of the devil's devices, and there's a book out, I don't agree with all of it, but John Paul Jackson, before he died, wrote a book, Needless Casualties of War, where a number of intercessors started engaging in territorial spirits, and their families came under attack, miscarriages, accidents. Be careful, right? Be wise and be careful. Okay. We'll talk more about that. That's just wisdom without fear. But you're here in the church, and you're part of the body here, and you see a manifestation, as a, you go for it, Right? We'll help you with that. We've got ministry team folks that are trained. Okay. Turn the page. Lord, I'm running out of time. Okay. Ephesians 6 speaks of, I'm just going to give you a quick emphasis here. Principalities. The Greek is archas. A-R-C-H-A-S. A principality in the Greek. And it says, it's a leader, a ruler that's in rank organizations that are very highly organized. This is not in your notes. I'm sorry. You're looking. Uh, yeah, you turned a page, and, and I'm on a different page. Um, I'm in my notes. Why don't you know that? Right? Okay. Sorry. Um, this, is, this is freebie. We, no charge for this one. A principality in the Greek is Arcus. You can just listen. It's basically what it is. Webster's Dictionary, if you were to look up a principality, it's a territorial or jurisdictional spirit. Or a prince. Makes a whole lot more sense, right? There are princes that are in the hierarchy of the demonic. They're, they're, they're high levels. We will see this. In your homework this week, you will see this when you read Mark chapter 9. When Jesus says, this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. That's a territorial spirit. It's a higher level spirit. We'll, we'll look at that in a minute. Or next week. Okay. So this is nations, cities, churches, homes, individuals. Um, remember the book of Revelation where the, the angel over every church in the book of Revelation, the Lord told them what, was, what he didn't like about their church. <laughs> you, you guys have partnered with the Jezebel spirit. I'm about ready to throw that woman and her children on a deathbed. And like, yipes, we don't want to partner with her. And so what, there, there, are, there are entities assigned to family groups, to regions, to churches. And that's why it's really important for us. And I'm really excited when I see this level of people being equipped. Whew. Man. Mm. Okay. Because I want to kick the devil out of everywhere he is. Right? We're supposed to. Remember that Jesus' job description and you have the same one. Do likewise. Okay. Um, powers. This is probably not new to you. But in the Greek, the word power means exousia. And, I'm sorry, dunamis, I got them mixed up. Exousia is authority, dunamis, dynamite, is power. So, you have been given both power and authority. The example there that's often used is um, the police officer who stands on College Road and the tractor trailer's coming down the road and he stands there like this. And that tractor trailer, he better stop. Because he has the full weight, not only does he have this Glock on his hip, but he also, it's not a Glock, by the way. He, he, <laughs> don't want to make anybody nervous. But anyway, um, he, has, he has the authority and the power. And he's backed up by 
all of those that are behind him. He has the state of North Carolina and the regional folk. So you have been given both power and authority. They're different. And you need to know what your authority is. And you need to also know how to wield your power and when to wield the power. Jesus did not pray for everybody. He did not heal everybody. I'm like, man, if you really wanted to make a big splash, Jesus, you could have healed them all, right? Remember the guy at Gate Beautiful? It says Peter and John walk by him all the time. And on this particular, so you know Jesus walked by the temple every day. And the guy was there every day, crippled since birth. And Jesus didn't heal him. That was Peter and John's job later. When he's begging, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give unto you. Stand up in the name of Jesus. And it causes a riot. They get locked up. Then he gets to preach and 3,000 people get saved. So knowing when to exercise the authority and the power is part of the maturity of what we're being called to understand, right? Okay. Uh, Now let me shift. And prayer ministry, deliverance ministry, extreme counseling, whatever you want to call it. When we come together, we have at least two counselors that come together. And we have a person come in, and there's been preparation. We, in our journal, we'll look at this probably next week, maybe the week after, as we really get into how to do deliverance, how to do a prayer ministry. You can do it as self-deliverance, and you, and, and you can also do it as a group deliverance. I, I think in uh, uh, Moshi Town, Mozambique, I did a mass deliverance on about 4,000 people. Amen. And there were many there. Hattie was there, Milton was there. And... Um, but I like the individual prayer ministry. Yeah. We average between five and a half to six hours on a first-time prayer ministry. We had one last week went 13 hours. This person was from another nation. Just, anyway, I won't elaborate on it. But, um, wow, freedom. Tremendous freedom, right? And so, um, what is prayer ministry? I want to just, I'm a, I like the natural, kind of, I've been talking about you, Dela, did you know that? No, Okay. You were in Mozambique pushing trucks up hills. Okay. All right. Um, Think of it this way. Prayer ministry is nothing but a tool. If you think of this, if all of us have baggage, right? If all of us have been wounded by people that should not have wounded us, or we processed a wound, could have been through hurt, uh, abuse, or worse. But we look through... um, our life with a lens that isn't quite truthful because that's why he said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit who will lead you and guide you in all truth, right? You can't bear the truth now, but when he comes, he will lead you there. So there, probably a few years back, the things that you could bear were not what you can probably bear now. You've walked with the Lord. You've gotten some uh, revelation on things. But all of us have beliefs that are not completely true. That's why rejection and fear and disappointment and depression and anxieties, all of those things are remnants of a brokenness that we have not been completely set free of. And every one of us has not arrived yet, all right? And so the premise is all of us need inner healing. Every one of us need it. And I go once a year, and I I have two pastors that come into town, and, and we go to town, and it's awesome. And so I... Since life happens, I suggest that you go to your first one and then go for tune-ups as you feel they're necessary. 
Usually people who resist, and mostly, it's probably a statement that I'll regret, but men really have issues with pride. We got it all together. First, we're wired. We're supposed to be wired to be the, you know, we're going to do this, right? It's the John Eldridge. Do I have what it takes? And, you know, but as a, I don't really want to tell you about my stuff. <laughs> I got it fixed. It's down there. That's in the past. And, uh, no, well, it's there. And there's an echo. There's an echo from your past that will come back. And it'll surface at probably the wrong time, right? And then, then the Lord. So that was me. I was a year into being a pastor and our senior pastor, there was a group called Victorious Ministries Through Christ, and the pastor said, all of the staff is going to prayer ministry. He said, I, you know, really, I don't need it. I'm good. I can preach on this unforgiveness stuff. I got it. No, you don't. I said, I don't? He goes, no. And boy, was he right. Man, it's like, whew, the Lord read my mail. And so I walked out of there about six hours into the thing. I don't know what just happened to me, but I feel great. I uh, really like, whew, this rejection and anger and resentment and the brokenness from my dad's bad, all like, wow, what was that? I, like, I believe this. I believe this now. How do we do this? You know? And I went for a year with different training modes, and that was awesome. And anyway, if you think of it this way, if you've ever had strep throat or some other bacterial infection, the organism has been infected. Now, most of the time, you need to get an antibiotic to take care of that. You need to knock it out, right? So prayer ministry is there's some kind of an infection that's kind of, you're not, you're not all well. You might think so, but you're not, right? And what that prayer ministry does is it's the Rx, it's the prescription that gets you well, or at least on the, on the journey to getting well. Now, you still, you can get reinfected. You can go... Kiss the little one that had the thing that gave you the strep throat in the beginning, and guess what? You got it all over again, right? So you need to keep the doors closed and not get reinfected. And this will start to, if you like another analogy, prayer ministry is like open heart surgery. You'll come here, and first you'll sign a release form that says, I'm not going to sue the church or Pastor Tom or whoever because they're giving me counsel and advice that is deep. I'm going in there, and I am telling them some of the darkest stuff. And they're telling me the way, and, and I, I agree not to sue them for that because they don't charge or anything. Okay, so you, when you go to open heart surgery, what do you do? You release the hospital and the doctor. If you die on the table, not my fault or some, don't, you can't, whatever, right? I'm just, right? But what happens? In, in that open heart surgery, some of you who had it, right, Mom? It's like, wow. They go in there. The first thing you do is they, they saw you down here, and they crack you open. They put a spacer in there, and then they... What is it? They see, yeah, they saw your sternum. Sounds bad right off the bat. Whoa, Lord. And then they take a vein from here. They go in and they figure out where the block is. And they put a new wire in there so that the organism, because the blood flow has been blocked, your heart has been blocked. And the organism is not well. But when you go through this process, they rewire you and now you start Life is in the blood. You start pumping into this new region, and you become a well organism. But you know what? It takes like six weeks for that sternum to start doing its thing. And they got this chicken wire stuff there. And I'm, Lord have mercy. And so, and so, if you want to, and the people that are doing the ministry, all they are are the gloves on the surgeon's hand, Jesus. We don't want to come into this process. That's why you've got to go to your own prayer ministry. We've got to pray for, for cleansing because I don't want to bring my stuff, my contamination of bias into this open heart surgery because all I am is the gloves 
on the surgeon's hands. And the Holy Spirit leads this thing, and you'll see when we do prayer ministry. So you start telling us about the bad and the ugly in your life, and he starts to reveal a pattern of words. Even It's amazing when you hear the same words stated by different caregivers or, or people who are supposed to love you or those who are in authority over you, and you start, whoa, devil snake, I see exactly what that lie is now. And then you get to renounce the lie and speak truth. And the truth is what sets you free, right? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But what did he say in James? James 4 says, humble yourself before God. Well, I have no trouble with that. I just don't want to go tell Pastor Tom about it. <laughs> but there's another scripture, James. Right? Humble yourselves before God. Draw close. Here I come. I got my journal. And I, I often say, is there anything you need to tell us that you're afraid to tell us or embarrassed to tell us? Yeah. Well, go for it, because that's where the darkness has its most power. When it comes in the light, guess what? It loses its power, and it no longer can manipulate you to behave or to take the bait. You'll have memory. We're not asking the Lord to erase your memory. You'll have memory of those things, but it has lost its power to manipulate. Because why? The anger and the resentment and the bitterness for the, the caregiver who's been an alcoholic, who's brought abuse and fear in my life, no longer can do that because I've forgiven him and I've confessed and I've released him from my anger and bitterness and resentment, and then the devil has nothing to work with. He has no devouring rights. And then you can, you can actually come into the presence of that person and something shifted in the atmosphere. That person can get saved. They can be open to the... It's amazing. I'm telling you we got plenty of stories about that. So I just want to give you an analogy of, if you think of it as open heart surgery, that all of us need some more cleansing to open our hearts. And you get that by the James scripture, but here's the clincher. James also says this, chapter 5. We do this a lot for physical healing, but it's, it's more than that. It's the word sozo. It says, the effectual fervent prayer. That's like really powerful prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous. That sounds like six hours of prayer ministry, yeah. if you want to put a time on it. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much, accomplishes much. Confessing your sins one to another that you might be sozoed. Saved, healed, and delivered. Greek verb action. So when you come into prayer ministry and say, man... This was pre-Jesus. This is current mess I'm in. I'm now confessing one to another. Let everything be established by two or three witnesses. You got two prayer counselors sitting there, and they're saying, I confess my sin of anger against my father, my mother, my spouse. I confess my sin of, of, of resentment and bitterness, and I forgive them. And what happens? That shift happens. First of all, Malachi, I think, clicks in. Malachi chapter 3 says, there's a scroll of remembrance kept in heaven for all those who love to talk about him. I believe there's stenographers there, and you're there saying, I forgive this person for such and such. Okay, got that. And I confess my sin for, their, for the behaviors they did in my anger against them. And what happens? Now Matthew kicks in. Jesus said, if you forgive, you shall be forgiven. If you refuse to forgive, you will not be forgiven. The stenographer says, covered, covered. So the next time the devil comes to play that echo back on you, you want to react 
I've had spouses that have been married to other spouses, and that spouse will say a, an, a phrase that the other spouse that they're now divorced from said, and all oh, World War III breaks out, and like, what the heck just happened? My other spouse used to say that. And like, what? That echo just came in rushing. Well, now you have forgiven. The next time that thing starts to rise, our representative in heaven, the accuser of the brethren, Jesus says, I object. I paid for that one. There's no authorization here. So prayer ministry is a very, very powerful tool. What would happen? I pray that someday, we were close one time, but then we get new people, we turn over, like, come on, God. And so that's why I'm excited about what this five. Anyway, what would happen if you had a church where 80% of the people truly went to effectual fervent prayer, prayer ministry, and were walking with the Lord? Do you think we could raise the dead and make an impact? Because people would come in here and they walk into an environment where all these living stones have been joined together as the temple of God who are not defiled, who don't have their mess. Well, at least a lot of it's been cleaned up. And so, and it's like, man. So I want to encourage you, um, go to prayer ministry. And many of you should be trained up to do it. All right. It's now 8 o'clock, so I want to honor. um, So if you will um, look at the, the page Five. So homework, no, is that page three? That's page, that's, yeah, page three. If, and it's part of your scripture, actually, for the homework. I mean, let's go back to the front page. You're going to read Luke chapter 10, and you'll notice that page three is Luke chapter 10 as well. So if you'll do homework 2A, and please, take, take the hour. And really, this week, get up a little early, go to bed, turn off, whatever, and spend an hour... And really meditate on these scriptures that are here. Make it really, really personal. Like Jesus is saying, Michelle, I am saying this to you. And you read that scripture like you're sitting at the master's feet as a disciple. And you're like, oh, yes. Get that down deep in here. Because the next time we go to war, you want to be really familiar with your authority. And so these scriptures will really help with that. And then the, the teaching notes that are here, read the first 26 pages. There's some uh, deliverance and real, these are all real. These are not fictitious. And so we'll start building. Um, if I, I'm going fast, I know. And we're going to actually, um, a lot of this was foundational. Next week it gets even. So read 2A, get prepared. If you, in your spare time, if you haven't read the book, Read the book, because it will help ground you. We're going to get to a place later where we'll be in the prayer journal and the preparation. It goes into curses. Some of it overlaps. You'll see that the the notes will overlap, the book. And then when we get application, probably the last session and half the session, we're going to go into these modules. We're going to actually do mock deliverances. We're going to to walk through that. Um, And so I realize it's kind of like, we have our sound techs that are being trained, right? Jacob walks us all through and turn out, like, figure out. Then it's like you're all by yourself and you're like, where the heck was that power button? I don't remember anything about that. I realize that this is kind of feeding with a fire hose at first. But as you start to do this, then I would say go to your own prayer ministry. How many have been to your own private prayer ministry? Wow, that's awesome. Wow, that even encourages me more 
because you've been, that must mean you think this is really a good process. <laughs> and you want to be, that really encourages me. Okay, uh, if you haven't, don't feel bad, but you can call the office and get signed up for prayer ministry. Um, after you've had your own personal prayer ministry, if you would like to be equipped and trained, you go to the ministry training. We just did our GRC Connect, and we had 26 or 27 of those for four weeks, about a month and a half ago. Um, we'll, we'll equip on the ministry training manual, and then you can sit in on a prayer ministry with some of our folks that do them. And I'm telling you, how many have are pretty regular doing, doing prayer ministries? Yeah, um, go ahead, read, read. Isn't it true that every time we seem to do it, we get something out of it? it, it it's like given you shall receive, right? And so I realize we do most of those on Mondays. I have, we have missionaries and pastors. I have a, a, a senior guy and his wife coming in to be trained Monday on a pastor. and We had a missionary the week before. They're coming in. It's really awesome to be able to see the, the freedom that comes through that process. And so, all right, let's stand. I want to pray blessing and cover you. Thank you for being here tonight, being patient. Um, we're going to see some good stuff. Now, I just want to, um, if there's any fear stuff, if, first of all, if, you're, if you want to have prayer over anything in particular, especially if you are not sure about your salvation, come first, because uh, deliverance is the children's bread. He said that to the lady who's, Remember, she came and said, the crumbs under the table, even the dogs get that. He says, well, and it's, he speaks of delivery. He then delivers her daughter. And so deliverance is for the children of God. You never do a deliverance, I don't believe, at least unless the Holy Spirit really redirects that, on an unsaved person. You probably make their life a lot more miserable. And so, Lord, I pray right now that your peace and your covering, I ask for just like supernatural revelation, even a hunger that the scriptures are going to like come alive and they're going to see things in the diamond nuggets of this thing in different angles and they're going to say, oh. So Lord, I pray for dreams and visions, for peace and covering, safety going home, that the enemy can't snatch this from any of our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Thank you.